pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. He's gonna leave us, though. I'm not You're leaving us. You're gonna Skype in? Yeah, like, we can fix something. Yeah. Okay. Skype in. Or we're just gonna get a... I, I'm gonna get a good, like, full-size picture of you. Yeah. Let's just, just put a cardboard cutout. Right? Yeah. I'm gonna be living on a farm. Did you so, already find wait, a place what? to You're live? On well, a farm. The, the potential place right now is that there's a 75-year-old lady who wants to rent out her basement. <laughs> and oh, okay. no people. contract. I, I'm just kind of scared. So we we need like a code word in case I just disappear. Is this like this a shroot like farm? A it, it's a start of horror film. It's like a shroot farm yeah. situation. You'll yeah. be farming so, beets. That's that's my mind. I mean, she sounds like a totally nice lady, and it's going to be a nice place. It's just I've never been there before. And I don't know what I'm getting into, so I'm just so my mind do? will create that those those fill in. You the just absence. called her and said, "Hi, I'm moving up, and <laughs> yeah. I heard you had a rental." <laughs> yeah, she said, "I'll be, <laughs> I'll call you back on September 2nd. We'll to be out here. to be T for a day. And, and it was on I Craigslist. Mean, honestly, of all, all places. Of course, it was on Craigslist. Yeah, well, <laughs> just don't get scammed by an old. I know. Lady. Well, she asked for like a, a, a deposit, then I'll be you know <laughs> cautious. But. If she asks you to go to Walmart uh-huh. and get a. What is it like a cashier's check? Oh, yeah, I've already fallen for that, so I don't do anything. So have I. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> We're, you're too trustworthy. Fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once. Was it? Shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice. Fool me twice. I love you, George. Then you fooled I me. You, or whatever he says. I don't know. Oh, God, T. Well, if nothing else, it'll inspire case, some writing, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think being stepping outside of your comfort zone is is part of I think the journey that like writers have to take. You know, you have to take risks. So, and what yeah. are you going to be doing there? Writing. <laughs> what are you going to be teaching? I, uh, oh, so I so will you be can guide your students to our podcast production, yes. and I will be teaching uh, corporate video production and film theory. Okay. So all three of them, I think I can. Extra credit. I don't know if you can give extra credit, but you I don't, I don't know who podcast. you are, but thank you for listening. You have to we, listen to the podcast and write a 250 yes. word essay, which is basically two True. paragraphs. True. Yeah. Well, we, we should come up and um, and guest. Yes, you want guest. Uh, Please come speak. Lecture. Yeah. You can't tell any Todd stories because I've got a clean slate up there. Fair it's, enough. It's, since it's, since it's all fresh in our mind, because I I watched my I finished mine on lunch break today watching. Uh, the French film. Now I can't even remember the name of it. You're Jules, the worst. You're about the worst intro. I, I know. Every time you just blow it. You got to at least know the name of the damn film. <laughs> We're talking about a film today. It's a. Uh, I watched it's a French it. Film. It's a French film. I, 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 I watched it. I watched it. There's it. only a few. <laughs> yeah. There's only a few French films. There's only have. thousands of uh, French threesomes. films about threesomes. Yeah. One or two. Jules and Jim. And Jules and Jim. And I think we could kind of just, we, we, we actually kind of assigned ourselves to watch two sure. or two movies. And what's interesting, and me and T were talking about it in the parking lot, was funny. Me and T were watching a menage a trois scene in the parking lot as people were coming out <laughs> on my iPhone. Now, keep in mind, it, it's not nudity, it's just no. insinuated, yeah. but still, it was kind of funny. But I think the point being is we watched another movie called Sex, Lies, and Videotape by Steven Soderbergh. And it's kind of an interesting contrast. We could kind of just combine the two into one yeah. That's true. simultaneous discussion. Because yeah. you're talking about relationships and, in this case, 
threesomes or even foursomes or however it works into it. Tragic love. Tragic love. Batshit crazy females. So you finished it today. <laughs> it's not Gone Girl, but it's, I mean, it's tragic. No. It's, <laughs> what, uh, what are your thoughts on it, Brandon? Well, I just want to kind of talk about the cinematography of the time. It really seemed like it was really ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Um, start, t- starting with the uh, Jules and Jim. Um, just kind of some of the interesting things he did with the... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of examples. Just Well, I just kind of like how he, he integrated, I mean, what we'd call today stock footage, really, of some of the wars and stuff like that. Like, didn't care that it didn't fill the screen. Like, it was kind of like that realism when he was... For the war scenes, for example. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, all of a sudden it kind of cropped in a little bit and you could see like the reels on the side. So he wasn't trying to, I mean, because that was obviously real footage. Yeah, that's real World that's real War World I footage. World War One footage. And, you know, nowadays we said it's like, apparent that it's war footage. It's yeah. not recreated. It's not recreated. Yeah. It's absolutely real. And so I just thought it was kind of interesting that Back then, it didn't really matter. And I liked that it was real footage as opposed to some recreations. I just thought it was an interesting side aspect of it. But, I mean, just just the length of time that spanned in this, in this film, you know, starting in the early days with Paris. And, I mean, it just, in a short amount of time, because I think the film was like an hour and 45 minutes, maybe? Something in that neighborhood. I mean, it went through an entire lifetime, really, almost, you know, not an entire lifetime, but a, a, a good portion of the lifetime. And just it went a lot of directions. You know, they're worried about, at war. They're worried about, you know, killing each other and like this this bond of friendship that's one of the stronger friendships of all time. Because, I mean, they're banging the same people and, you know, they're just having casual conversations like, OK, yeah, you know. My wife's gonna leave me, and if you're gonna take over, well, you know, this She's is gonna take over. this is here's some pointers, you know, <laughs> in and out of the bedroom, yeah, you're in charge, and 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 just like, hey, you know, I'm gonna hook up with my old husband up here. Nah, that didn't go so well, so I'm just gonna. She's not gonna do that again, but she was really interesting. She had a a really interesting, and it was it was almost kind of a throwaway line, but to kind of understand her character, she was talking. It was right after. Jim had come back after a little bit of, and like after the war and she was kind of explaining where her, her mind was and her infidelity and, and all of that sort of thing. And he said, I understand. And she says, I don't want to be understood. I thought that was a very interesting of, of what her, she doesn't want to be understood. And I think that's, that, that kind of clicked for me, like understanding her character throughout the, her entire really weird arc. But I mean, just, I just thought that was an interesting. I think she's the first model for independent woman. I mean, this is yeah. a person who really decides what she wants. Mm-hmm. There's no extra ex- external influence. Mm-hmm. She is who she is. She's proud of it in the sense that she doesn't really care what everybody thinks. No, she, like you said, and yeah. that and that statement really kind of helps sum it up. It's I think it's very forward uh, thinking 
um, based on the time because the movie's made in 1960. So her position amongst in 1960 amongst the males, mm-hmm. <laughs> the men in the in the story, uh, she's definitely the the dominant figure amongst Very much all so. the other characters. Mm-hmm. So, so it's almost forward uh, thinking in the way that the story is set up. So much so that she proudly dresses as a man and gets a mustache and she goes out and, and, and she yeah. wants to see if was she that, can was she trying to Im- Was she trying to imitate Napoleon or was that some, or was it hit? What was it? Cause it had the so little like the short mustache. Yeah. yeah. And it was in the air and I was trying to figure out, cause then what, one of the lines that I found was interesting that I thought was comical almost was when they're talking. So you got Jules, you got Jim and then Catherine and it's just the three of them talking and she's the, the two of the the two guys are kind of next to each other, and she's kind of in the back. And she starts telling him about a dream that she had. That oh, that's right. No, Napoleon had a crush on her <laughs> and knocked her up. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So she had Napoleon's baby, and I I don't I just found it comical. And then so anyway, the tie-in is like, was she dressed as somebody of significance historically, or was she? Well, just it would have been Hitler. That would have been pre-Hitler. But, well, uh, the, now the film goes up to, to that Hitler point because the, it goes pre World War One, yeah. or at least a few years mm-hmm. in before, and then it leads up to. They're talking about World burning books in in so, Germany. So at least the rise of so the Nazi it's the party, rise yeah. of World War Two. So it's spanning what would, and I'm not a historian, but that's twenty plus years. Yeah. So, it. I mean, yeah. In that case, it wouldn't have been Hitler, but it, so it must have just been some. Some some guy that she was dressing up as, but she was confident in it. She didn't care. You know? but what's interesting is the Jules and Jim. They they show all the relationships that these guys have because they're they're like college buddies or players, you know. Yeah. And they're the girls they date, you know, they prostitute whatever. Whoever they're not interesting to them because um, they're not free thinking like uh, Catherine is. Yeah. And so when Catherine comes in, she's the challenge to these guys. And that's what their, their draw uh, and why they like her so much, I think, is, is because they can't figure, figure her out. They only can love her for who she is and what she does. And she does crazy things, but they still love her regardless. They have, she has that. And, and you know, they, they allude to this mythical you know, muse who can tempt, this, yeah. you, you know. And that's that's the thing that's mythical because she can say what she wants, does what she wants, and has this alluring power over these these guys, which again is very forward thinking in that that time period. Which is, I mean, you could you feel like that was uh, this is a modern day piece, but they were really, you know, thinking ahead of the time. It was almost a precursor to a femme fatale in 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 some ways, mm-hmm. not necessarily that directly, but just mm-hmm. kind of. The little hints of that. I mean, she like pulls the gun on him, and and you know, I thought I thought he was a goner right then. Yeah, because she just. I mean, she just snapped all of a sudden. That's the I'm other like, thing. She seemed a bit schizophrenic. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Or unstable. Well, to the very end. No, no spoiler alerts. You're gonna hear about the ending, but uh, you know, she to the very end. Well, it came out in '66. What was I mean, the deal with the gun pull anyway? What was the motivation behind that? I feel like it's it, it almost. Felt, like she, it felt. I mean, it was like it, it was a, it super aggressive. Yeah. Kind All of a like, sudden, yeah. was she angry at him? Was she angry at uh, at Jim? 
I, I when she pulled the gun, or was like it she? Was it just more out of I'm crazy as a person? I do what I want. Crazy, I do what I want. It I wasn't think, necessarily directed at him per se, right? I didn't think it was. I couldn't I tell. Think I think it was more of a frustration at the situation. Yeah. And I think she just. I mean, nonetheless, you pull snapped. a gun on somebody. <laughs> so it doesn't. I guess the the just the, the the motivation is almost irrelevant because you've pointed a gun at somebody. I just love it. It's like, and he runs, jumps out of the window, runs away. A few months later, <laughs> like. <laughs> well, doesn't he disarm her? Yeah, he and disarms then, her. And then jumps out the window and, and runs off. <laughs> so he's like, you know. Who had? Because I almost wondered, and it and and so like, because he said he bought. J- Jules had said that she had bought a gun. Yeah, and it, had it, had toyed around with suicide and and mentioned other things. It's like, hey, so and so committed suicide. What do you think about that? You know, so she, she definitely yeah, there's had some a handy. instability yeah. there, and yeah. then on top of that, the gun, of course, insinuates right. some darker theories, some darker theories about what she might do with that gun. Yeah. And her instability of pointing at someone else, she might take someone else with her. It's a foreshadow what to what you would see at the end of the film, mm-hmm. you know, where she actually does that and does take her life with somebody else's, you know. Like it's covered. That's the other thing. It's got a lot of. There's some darkness to it. Yeah. You know. What I thought interesting too is is how culturally different. Um, you know, there's the, the element of human suffering and then this frustration with love and sexuality. But uh, if we're going to compare it with Sex, Lies, and the Videotape, you have where these topics you are what the lies are. We hide behind them and we're safe behind these lies. Where for uh, Jules and Jim and Catherine, they're so open about what they're doing sexually, how they're thinking sexually. They're on the note. Like, it's that like, really matter of fact. Yeah, you know, I'm going to sleep with him now. Okay, I'm going to sleep with you now. I'm going to sleep with him now. And, and just so open about their open relationship that it's uncomfortable for us where we, we've been really, – you think you have this moral compass of like, okay, should she be doing that? Can she do that? She just, she doesn't care. She does that, but they're very open about it. And there's that honest feeling where you're just like, wow, I just wish – you know, society be or a place where you could just talk about these darker things mm-hmm. more openly. Whereas I think in our culture, it's just like, well, you don't talk about it. It happens and it's happening and it has happened and it's going to still happen because it's part of human nature. Sexuality, sexual frustration is a part of human nature. And I think they're making a commentary about it with that film and then with Sex Lies in the Videotape. Uh, there, there's this commentary on what what is the the sexual norm what is acceptable what's not acceptable what is a lie what is truth and i think uh there's that universal theme where you realize that hey the truth is, is what's cathartic it's what we go to watch these films for it's because we either don't want to be in that situation or we've had that situation and have it repressed within us and so now we can see that played out on the screen of how it, how it plays out in, in different scenarios. And it, and it's very rewarding. When I saw this, it was in film school and I had no idea, like I, you can't relate to it because you, you know, you're not married, you're not, you're not in a relationship, uh, deep relationship at the time. But then it's one of those films that I watched a long time ago. And then all of a sudden over, you know, 30, 40 years later, you're like, Oh man, that's what they're trying to say with this film. And so I think 
it, it's one of those films that is timeless and and it has very you know it's it's a black and white so you wonder okay it's an old film no this is something you gotta watch you gotta study and analyze because it gives you one of those timeless insights into human nature where back then it's just like now and if you can hone in on these relationships these human tragedies and feelings and emotions it makes you powerful in the sense of being able to understand film and also to create films uh, in your own work. On that same note, I think one of the more brilliant scenes showing that exactly what you just described was the scene where she comes out to Jim's house and drives that car just randomly through the parking lot. I just thought that was so interesting just to, to, to show that scene where she's just She's going every which way. She's aimless. She doesn't know what she wants. She just, but that felt good to her. And then they talked about it the next day. Yeah. I mean, just, it, I, I thought that was just so interesting into her character and what you're talking about. Just like the, 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 the uncertainties of life and, and maybe, showing that visually was. Maybe they're, yeah. they're trying to say that's her tragic flaw because she doesn't know what she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, one at one moment it's this and that and, and love is fleeting and, uh, it, it, and there are no rules to love. So it's like, if I want to love this person, then fine. If I want to love that person, even though I shouldn't, you know, that person is in a relationship, they have a child, or, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, I think that gets the best of her in the end, probably, where she, she is yeah. so torn between that, that it finally gets to her. If but, you're looking at the comparable between the two films, also, huge cultural divide between how the French view things and how <laughs> Americans view things. Oh, yes. Huge. And then also, if you're looking at the characters from Jules and Jim and the characters from Sex, Lies, and Videotape, what I find interesting comparatively is that I actually don't really root for any of them. Mm. It, in the same sense that I would go to a movie and like root for Rudy. Or, and that's an extreme example. But... You know, like when I'm watching, and it doesn't mean I'm really rooting against them either. It's very observational. So I'm not yeah. really looking at, in Sex Lies, and I'm not really looking at any of those f- three characters, four, as like protagonists. I'm not really going, hmm, I'm rooting for each. They're, they're all flawed in my view. And then there's relatability too. So I, you go, oh, well, I've, that's me. You can kind of pinpoint or areas of that character that you go, hmm, I can relate to that. Yeah. But at no point am I going, hmm, I, I'm like Jules or I'm like Jim or I'm like Catherine. And so I'm not really rooting for him. Mm-hmm. It's, but it still draws me in to want to watch it. Yeah. Which I find, I don't, I'm not sure how they do, I, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a contrary position to take as a filmmaker. It's like, yeah. I'm going to go out and build all these characters and none of them you may really love but overall, you're going to be intrigued. And it goes back to that observational human nature, mm-hmm. you know. It's almost opposite. Like, you're frustrated with it because you want – I, I don't root for them. But I'm like, well, why doesn't Jules get what he wants? And why doesn't Catherine get what she wants? Why doesn't Jim get what he wants? See, and then They my, all deserve that, but that, they don't get it. <laughs> my, my chauvinistic side goes, Catherine gets what she wants. She does whatever she wants to do. That's true. She goes and sleeps with every guy she wants to sleep with. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, but at the same time, like, it, it's it's a weird, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, she kind of does get what she wants. Yeah. And in Sex, Lies, and Videotape, I'm not, 
even sure who's trying to get what they want. I mean, Peter Gallagher's character immediately you go in my mind, I go, okay, he's an asshole. Yeah. Because he's cheating on this, on his wife. But if you're talking truths about marriage and relationships, sexuality is a part of that. So if you're getting that withheld, do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and I'm not, I'm not condoning what he's doing, but then I'm going, you almost see, okay, well, he's, he's a man. So he, human nature and biology calls for him to go and satisfy urges. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm not rooting for him, but at the same time, I'm looking at each character going, she's got flaws. He's got flaws. Yes. He's an asshole. Uh, she's a skank <laughs> because I look at her sister and I go, mm, whore. Yeah. <laughs> Cause sleeping with her sister's husband yeah. So it's like this, but, but so none of those characters and even Andy McDowell's character who initially I go, okay, who, here's someone I can root for. But as I kind of start to figure her out, she's like, there's some, there's a flaw within her too. So I don't really. And so it's, it's a weird thing where none of them, I'm really absolutely wanting to win. Uh, and that's weird that, yeah. that, that, that you spread the characters out like that. And we have nobody to really root for. There's a theory that love is, is truly a force of nature. And so it's not, they get what they want, but it returns to like a, a balance or an equilibrium where the characters, they go through these forces of nature. And then at the end, it's not what they wanted, but it's what it returns to, um, it's for it's Jules and Jim, it ends. It's it's tragic ending, but they were flirting with danger from the get go, right? And so when it ends, you're not really surprised that it ends that way, right? I also think the character. It's funny because you think about like Jules is always not Jules. Jim is always the one. If you look at, there's a couple moments where that runs after her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like when she's in the 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 house with them. When he first starts to go back and visit Jules and the family at their little cottage or whatever it is. Yeah. And she's like, catch me. And she runs away. And the first person to jump up and run is, G- is Jim. Jim. But he, she's married to Jules. And Jules is like, yeah. And he's just sitting there and that his, his apathy is all telling, which is like, oh, he doesn't, he's, he's already gone. He's checked out of whatever it's happened is going. And Jules runs after her. And in the moment he even says, oh, I wanted to sleep with her, but I withheld. And then of course, later he does. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think he would goes after her when she jumps into the but, river, but that's, that's he, he's the initial the first one to kind yeah. of, I mean, they both go down and you see the, sh- the, sh- the shots like, helping her up but like he's the one that initially kind of responds yeah reacts yeah and then at the end when she jumps in the car which I, and this is the question i have because it's going back to this like why is 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 jim always why did he jump in the car what was the motivation for him to get in the car when she went all was there a reason i mean i think because up to that point he's always first mover and so now at the end, she, she goes, I'm getting it. She does her thing. She gets in the car and the person to get in the car with her is Jim. Well, I mean, she said. I think she was tricking yeah. him though. Yeah. yeah. I think she was tricking him. They, 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 like there was that impromptu meeting at the theater and they hadn't seen each other for a little bit. And she's like, hey, let's like catch up or I think she's getting in the car to 
to talk to her. And well, she didn't she say so that she, I want to show you something. Yeah, I want to show you something. But she says she his name. <laughs> his name. I can't remember if she says his name Just, specifically. Does she? I, I don't think know. so. I think she. So. I think she. Her intention was to continue to, because she knows she has jewels wrapped around her finger, and part of the love is to show. Either she does. This is this is an interesting point because either she does to a yeah. degree, or Jules is apathetic. Yeah, he's at that. Point, so at that point, he doesn't care. care anymore. Yeah, it's one of the two. I mean, or Jim. mixture of both. Yeah. But I always thought it was interesting that, that Jim was the first one to always. Yeah, you know that suffering, almost that that abuse of love, because he loved Jules loves her so much. He's like, "You're gonna go sleep with my best friend? Well, if it means I get to still be love you, then go ahead." Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's got to be painful to some degree, you know. But see, he actually, and and if you look at the tragic ending, yeah. right? Catherine and Jim die, and by the by the by the hand of Catherine yes. and a steering wheel, <laughs> and like Todd eloquently said, a Thelma and Louise type moment. They they basically run off a bridge and that ends it. But but there's a forewarning too because Jules even says when Jim oh, comes yeah, back he tells warning. he warns yeah. her to be or warns Jim to be careful. Yeah. He yeah. says be careful. So he kind of has, you know, he's clean, apathetic, maybe. but he's also his character to me is a little more. I don't want to say lot maybe in a weird way logical and and less. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, when you respond to something quickly, impulsive, like impulsive. Jules is a little more His back here and, and, and not as impulsive maybe His as Jim is. Is it ignorance or is it, I'm trying to relate it to that, that film, um, the Jennifer Lawrence film, a mama, where it's just, the whole film is about suffering. I, I miss that one. Oh, yeah. I, that, that should be a future watch then. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but there, there's an element of the, through the whole film is, is the whole, motivation is to cause suffering on a subject and how much can you make a person suffer emotionally not not like i, I guess physically too but emotional suffering like knowingly knowingly let them cause, suffer yeah knowing they okay. let them suffer and then as the person who's suffering what threshold do we have yeah or all of a sudden you know because we have different thresholds of, of, of suffering i think and and some can take abuse and suffering uh, to a certain point, and others they can live their whole lives with that. And, and this is a case where, through most of their life, they're able to live through this type of relationship, and it's just that was their life. For us, we can see elements of suffering and uh, uh, sexual frustration, but for them, it's this is this, this is my life. Well, that once again, that kind of leads back to the cultural divide of mm. americans versus oh yeah people you know yeah. french well we know if catherine had a videotape she'd Her have truth, been, yeah she'd, been, she'd, she'd have got freaky <laughs> <laughs> of that i have zero doubt what what kind of leaning into that like what were the overall thoughts on sex lies and videotape yeah we're th it's an it's, interest they're actually it, actually these two films to me w are perfect Pairing, companions yeah, yeah they are they are so but but speaking of it like since we've we've covered a little bit and we can go back to it of course but we've covered a little bit of jules and jim what were the first impressions of of sex lies and videotape as it as it as a movie quite frankly i didn't like the film very much well, that's did. the worst response you could ever give as a film maker 
You have that's to my expound. Wow. Well, that's my start. Okay. I can respect it, but you got to defend it. That's right. That's what I mean. Got to defend it. Dive in. Now you've opened, well, and, opened and, your and, mouth. And here's Pandora's another bit box. of here's a little bit of honesty as well. Is I really can't stand Annie McDonald. What? <laughs> no, oh, she's awful. Card. She's awful. Oh, she's so crazy. It's, it's it's hard for me yeah. to watch films with her. And exception being Groundhog Day for whatever reason. I'm I'm yeah. kidding. And but multiplicity. She's great now. You're you. Brandon is now exiled from the podcast I because I don't like Andy McDowell. Yeah, she's like me. Like she's like the all American Southern yeah. girl. It's going to crush. Okay, so who what, name name the, a, when you were younger? Because that's that was like my one when I was younger. So when you were younger, what was like a a, a girl crush actress that you had? Well, define the age because uh, teenagers. Teenage years. Um, probably. I don't know how you can't like Andy McDowell, like cute Southern yeah. girl. Like, what is this guy's problem? Plus, you never defended your answer. Your answer. Well, was weak. We, I mean, I, I know. No, Sorry. Let answer T's question, <laughs> and then we'll come back. Okay. <laughs> I was setting you up there. <laughs> yeah, um, we're picking see, on you now. That would have been 90, so... Oh, I know who it was. Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. My God. Yeah. See? Beautiful. Also, I think her name is, is pronounced yeah. Soleil Moon Fry. Yeah. You know what? Like Rachel... Oh, she's gorgeous. She's all that? Did you ever see that? She, yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Dude, I know. I mean, the, the rest of the movie is terrible. <laughs> But her visual candy. More than now. once because okay. cable seems with, to stream it every our, other with, weekend. With our three listeners, we can do our first poll here. <laughs> we got Rachel Lee Cook or Andy McDowell. Okay. Good Come question. On. Good. Like, I'll put it up leave, on the Facebook page right. as, as a poll. Leave leave it your your comments. And he, and I get to put photos of both of them three. in their prime. So Andy in her prime and her and Rachel in her prime. Fair enough. And number three. Might as well put a third one. I mean, we can't. Can both no, be I like, Andy McDowell. I'm, I'm with T. I'll go with him. I mean, she wasn't my crush per se, but I'm I'm all about Andy McDowell. Okay, well, who's your Southern crush? girl. That's not the question. The question is, <laughs> why didn't you like? Sex why didn't you like? Well, I don't. I don't. That's fine. I don't yeah. care that you didn't like it. Why? What I want to know is, you got to go deeper. You can't just come into this saying I didn't like it. Then well, you're I was really about fired to start. I was about to start, just and then go. we just don't defend <laughs> yourself. Just go. Yeah, you're knocking We're done Andy McDowell and Sex on the I like, really think it came down just to almost what you kind of touched on. Just the in, unsympathetic character. I mean, I I like a film where there's at least somebody or something to kind of grab a hold of and, and, okay. and resonate with. Does that hold true then? Now, did you like Jules and Jim? Now, here's who, who that's, I did. Okay. And, and the reason I did is... It wasn't necessarily the characters I was I was rooting for, but it w- it was those two guys' friendship that, okay. that that I you could get behind that, that I could get behind and and I wanted that friendship to endure. So there's a story arc to it for you between the two guys. Yes, were they homosexual? I did they any, ever? No, I mean not specifically in the. They talk film. about it right out in the beginning of the film. Yeah, when they come out of that play. They're talking about. Homosexuality right. and things like that. If anything, they were sexually fluid. Maybe, maybe they just kind of didn't. I got you. Didn't really care either way. I, 
I mean, by maybe. Okay. I mean, and and but you again, could get behind that. You know, part of your you didn't like sex lies and videotape. You didn't feel like you could get behind anybody or any any story arc that meant something for you. Yeah. But in Jules and Jim, you got uh, you got Jules and Jim, and I got you got Jules their relationship, mm-hmm. and that progressed enough for you to attach yourself to it. Okay. I mean, I James Spader's character, I probably. You can relate bit. to the impotence, like the, I can. I can relate to the impotence, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've always had a place in my heart for the, that drifter type. Branded. You know, whatever. I just didn't really enjoy the film, and and, it, and I just I think it was just those unzip, and it's not only because of Andy McDowell, but mm-hmm. just See, just it just. And, I, th- I, I think, had nothing to grasp a I hold think, of. Yeah, where you're at right now, because you're still young, watching it. Me old, like I said, when me I watched, when I well. watched, oh. when I watched, you know. <laughs> oh wait, when I watched Jules and Jim for the first time, I couldn't process it. I, I liked it, 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 it cinematically, you know, mm-hmm. the, the filmmaking techniques um, from uh, uh, that point of view. But just trying to understand the deeper emotions, I didn't have enough life experience to do so. So I think, you know, flash forward 20, 30 years from now, you may understand sex lies in the videotape a little bit more now you're what like five years older than me <laughs> no you're not yeah i'm 41 oh yeah i'm 45 you, you, 44 old man t over here you know, everything like i said like it, that, it changes it changes it changes drastically. and well i don't know how that feels so. <laughs> now listen <laughs> here shunny <laughs> come, come <laughs> tell me how it feels guys let me know I, I think if you take what are the the opposites of sex lies? So you have let me let me okay. sorry. I wanted to say one thing before you go into that about about the age thing. I think it's a it, it, it is an interesting point. But what I find interesting is a fact mm-hmm. is that this film, written and directed by Steven Soderbergh at the age of twenty nine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is interesting. So Keep I'm saying because because you're I think. I see what you're saying, and I actually agree with it. Although I'm the youngest of the trio here, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but in film study, I'm not the youngest, and no. and so being 29 years old and writing and directing that type of film with that type of language and that type of context and that kind of nuance, to me, deserves like that's a lot of respect. As a filmmaker, like whoa, I'll grab that. sure. I don't think I could write something that nuanced yeah. at, you know what I mean, at age twenty nine. Yeah. So, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your point, but yeah. I thought that kind of tied in because the filmmaker was young when he made it. I, th- I think the, the, that that understanding you're talking about is the the tragic elements. If you take the opposites, so you know, the op- I think in the film they're treating sex as a, like this dirty secret you know it's it's lust it's passion that's the side of that that we're conveying on the screen so the opposite is true love so instead of sex you replace that with love instead of lies you replace that with truth uh instead of a videotape you replace that with reality because in reality the tape is the truth about sex mm-hmm. uh so follow follow me on this if if you watch the tape which usually when we watch tapes, it's porno, it's it's uh, 
created lie, right? It's this, you create this uh, illusion and that's entertainment. And that's what a videotape represents. You watch a movie, it's an illusion of disbelief. In this movie, it's the truth. People sit down and they confess. And that's very cathartic. There's this relief where from saying, this is my sexual frustration in life. And for everybody, they're, they're suffering from a sexual frustration and they're lying about it. And whether we can relate to that or not, I think each one of them has a special unique lie that comes to light through the ultimate of lies, which is the videotape. So the tape has this symbolic representation of truth when it's the opposite. So I think the genius behind it is, um, you know, you take this superficial sex as a passion and lust, and you're able to dissect it even more. You're able to take lies and find truth in through the lies, because they're all lying about something, right? And you're able to find the truth, get to the truth, and that's through uh, uh, this uh, uh, vehicle, which is this tape, which tape recorded tapes represent lies. That you're able to find the truth, and that—that's what I found fascinating. Is mm -hmm. that you watch the tape, and all of a sudden you find the truth. When as before, you know, you can make your own tape, and it, you can make a lie of it. Um, you know, you have uh, a guy who's had uh, a gram where he messes up with a girlfriend. And he's trying to repair that. He's sexually dysfunctional because of, of his failure. Uh, uh, and he finds truth in the videotapes of videotaping girls who share their true experiences and sexual frustration, sexual lies on tape. Um, you have Andy McDowell, who, who seems like she's the strong female protagonist, but she has her own sexual frustration of lies and, and ultimately you know, cheats on her husband as a form of revenge, which which is which is sad. It's her her fall there, um, but she comes to some kind of truth through the tape, and then you have John, who's just you know this this jackass. He's a boy. playboy. He's a playboy. Rich yeah, playboy. he's a lawyer, rich yeah. playboy who sleeps with his and, wife's sister. And so that is not unusual. That's 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 um that's really uh, a Greek tragedy there, where you have this high political figure of high social class and wealth whose fatal flaw causes them to fall from that grace. And it's, it, it's what causes the tragedy in their life. And through that, there's the catharsis, which, which is the close where he finds out, Hey, I guess I'm not okay with it. I mean, I don't know why, you know, he's okay with it. I guess Andy McDowell's okay. Hey, you can bang my sister from now on and I'll bang your best friend. And that's somehow, you know, the, the balance at the yeah. end there. And I'm not okay with it, but I understand that that's how they deal with it and they get through it, through it. And the ending shot is Andy McDowell and James Spader together. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So it's almost an interesting thing because it's like you've gone through all this great interweaving of like the titles of the, the film, the sex, what it, like you had described, like what it means mm -hmm. underneath and how the sex ties to the lies and the lies tie to the videotape and it all interweaves. And then it, leaves you with this somewhat normalcy or what in what we might consider or I, I would speak for myself what i would consider what to be normal which is two people now quote unquote after all the turmoil now finding themselves together and ha quote unquote happy or 
you know. What I did like, I didn't like it and I did that. What I did like, though, is that they're, they're able one. to come to the truth for themselves mm-hmm. and accept it. Yeah. Whereas for us, we repress it, repress it, repress it. Yes. And we'll continue to repress it our whole lives. I love when, to do, right? when jo- it's John, right? The, yeah. uh, played by Peter Gallagher. Yeah. yeah. I love when he, uh, it is as evil as he is or as evil as we build him up because we know he's cheating, mm-hmm. you know? At the end, when he sees the videotape that's been created. Oh, it's his come up and start. It's his, he, yes. But he also accepts it in a, in a way you know what I mean? Like oh, when yeah. he sees it, when he's already there, he's already punched James Bader. He grabs <laughs> the tape because he's like, you made the tape, yeah. put, locks him out of the house so that he can watch the tape. And as he watched the tapes, the tape, she's doing her thing. And then they turn it off. And of course, it's insinuating that they've slept together. Yeah. He accepts it, who he is. He doesn't look. He walks back out. The only thing he says, though, is is he walks out and he's accepted the fact that now his wife has cheated on him. She's basically done to him what he's done to her mm-hmm. and he accepts it. He's not as angry as he was when he first arrived and he walks out on the porch and he looks at James Spader's character and he, and he tells him, oh, by the he, but he does throw the one last little dagger in, which is like, by the way, I slept with Elizabeth, mm-hmm. the character who James Spader loved before this whole thing came down i saw that he's also trying to comfort graham and and kind of get some closure. oh really okay because he's trying to tell graham she wasn't a saint yeah she wasn't he does literally say that she lied to you too yeah and you're not the only one with his his issues that good point yeah graham's like oh i i cheated i was so bad to this perfect girl he's like nah she wasn't perfect i even i slept with it you know yeah it's like and that's what ultimately again there's that Phrases, you know, the true. So in some way, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of, like he's, he kind of uh, redeems himself in a weird way, which is like, let me help. Like I got angry. It is what it is. But let me let you live on past this thing that you've been holding. And let me tell you, look, this person that you've been holding it on is not the greatest person you thought they were. And and to to T's point, had it not been for the truth of that videotape, he would have never come to that. I mean, that, that was that the vehicle. would have never yeah, been revealed. Would have never been revealed. Yeah. And I thought that that was an interesting scene when he finally sat down and watched the tape and listened to those truths and just kind of like, okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was. No matter what you part. believe or what your moral compass, if you watch these films, I guarantee, I promise whoever's listening, you suffer from something sexually. I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I know you're human, right? So you're, you're, you have a sexual frustration about something. So there's going to be a connection on, hey, as comfortable it is to talk about, or maybe you're French and you don't care about what you say, but you could talk about it openly, which which I wish we all could. In America, Agreed. We're, you're like, you, you can't talk, it's, it's taboo, right? You can't talk about anything. And so you know that, but you know, I, that's that's how I know that anybody who watches these films, you're going to, you're suffering from something sexually, it's repressed, and then all of a sudden it's it's it becomes up there on the truth as film. And you're able to see another person go through this suffering and see how they deal with it. And somehow I'm okay with it now because I see how it plays out, good or bad. Uh, I think that's the power that the medium has is, is, is that it can take you on this journey sitting in a chair. And at the end of it, you know, you're back in the chair and you're like, okay, 
yeah, so maybe I should talk about what I'm feeling more or maybe it helps me understand the situation. Because, you know, there's people you know who have gone through horrible suffering because of their choices with sex and love, you know, and they've made right decisions or wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. And you see firsthand how, how debilitating that can be. And, and that's reality. That is truth. And so all of a sudden it's in this film in a rom-com or a Greek love tragedy. Uh, you, you know, you've got these Romeo and Juliet themes through, uh, through film. And, and uh, we watch it and we're like, okay, I will pay to see people suffer, you know, and do stupid things so that I can feel better, a little bit better and, and think differently about maybe some of the things I do. These are deep things. They deal with suicide. They're, they're super deep. Cheating. Sleeping with your well, you're dealing and homicide, murder, yeah, uh, in Jules and Jim. Yeah, I think you could take these two films and compare and contrast them and use them in a sociology or a psychology department at a university. You could easily. You could absolutely. I didn't. I I don't think initially our intent was that, but when you shot out the email for us to watch Jules and Jim on top of Sex Lies, when you watch them together. The compare and contrast is fantastic to talk about the psychology, the sociology, the culture divides, the culture differences, the taboos, the dark subjects, all that stuff. And um, it, there's catharticism and there, there's therapeutic kind of uh, uh, you know, reasoning behind each of these films when you watch them together. Because you're, 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 it's one of those films, they're both one of those films where you're tired, you're physically tired, you're kind of drained after you watch it. <laughs> Because they're not they're not a go and watch and it's not Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Right. They're not those types of movies. Those types of movies. And and I think I was saying this before. Um, you know where Sex Lies in the videotape ends is where Jules and Jim begin mm. in progression. Another good tie-in between the because, two. Because you know in, in in Jules and Jim they're so open. It's like we play this game. You know. Uh, of fool's poker where everybody sees the card they're playing. And I guess in American culture, we hide those cards. Like mm -hmm. we are afraid of them. There's shame involved with it. Right. So if you know what I'm thinking sexually, or I, my frustration sexually, what I've done mistakes I've made sexually, that is taboo. That is shameful. Whereas in 60s, 1960 France, they're like, Hey, we understand we're truthful, at least right or wrong. Moral or un immoral, I understand who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. And so I'm able to live a life where I can understand that. And, and to me, that's just so fascinating. Is yeah. that, like they get it. They understand they're human. And they're going to make mistakes. And so they'll live life. And, and it's still tragic, right? They're, they're still, I'm not discounting any kind of responsibility or result coming from their actions. They're, they're, they're fully accountable for what their actions are. But they don't lie about it. And I'm kind of of the mindset of the la of the previous in Jules and Jim. You know, if you look at 1960s France, extreme, uh, extremely progressive, mm. and and open of, like you said, right or wrong, immoral or moral, extremely open and truthful about whatever it is. Mm. And then they don't, at least in Catherine's case in the film, she doesn't care about what other people think. Yeah. No. And that to me, I think that's a that's a good mindset overall to have. That, that is the kind of female protagonist I would like to see in film. Um, uh, you know, this is the, the most recent Avenger films. I, I, I saw, uh, my wife included, they all stood up and clapped when 
these poor window portals open uh, from Doctor Strange and and uh, you know all all the women come back, the protagonists, and they all band up together. All the female protagonists, uh, superheroes, get together and they kick ass, right? And and we're supposed to be like, oh, finally, women have their you know they're strong and, and stuff like that. And and I think it's it it it's it's good and bad. I mean, I I think that it's pretty sad commentary that we have to cheer for a scene like that because it's never existed before in the past. Right. But at the same time, I don't want my kids to see that because I don't want them to see that when life gets hard, if you're a woman, these windows are going to open up and someone's going to save you. And in Catholic, him. the thing I'm going back to rounding it out to what Brandon was saying before about Catherine, she's like, I don't in it. And this is paraphrasing. It's not the exact line of dialogue, but she basically says, I don't want anybody to save me. I don't want yeah. anybody to change me. I don't want anybody to understand me. I am who I am and I'm happy to be that person. And I go on and I don't care about the extra. We go back to this yeah. phrase, but the external factors of that are going on around me. I don't care. And that, I think that's why I, I couldn't understand it, which is and, great. And I felt bad for being a guy, but, but I loved Thelma and Louise because they're just like, cause they, they don't give a they shit. They don't give a shit. And you're like, for wow, themselves though, not that's because awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and those are the kind of characters I think we need to see in film. Um, it, one thing Greek tragedy has followed the male, uh, uh, character and his heroic journey. And I think they're coming up with studies and theories about the female journey, uh, which is different. Uh, uh, but we need to see that one. We need to see a female protagonist and not have to clap when they do what they want to do. <laughs> I can't think of, you know, and I, I'm not, uh, you know, it's about watching a lot of movies and being versed enough to know and pull from the archives about, hey, what's out there that we could make a comparison to nowadays, more contemporary. Mm-hmm. You talked about Thelma and Louise, but then like the only, and so, yeah, it would be nice to, to see some, some other films, not for the same way that you're talking about, maybe in the MC, the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but for, I mean, something more along the lines that you see with Catherine in yeah. Jules and Jim. And maybe Ex Machina. Did you guys see that one? Oh, yeah. With the robotic. Yeah, that's group. got a little, that's got that in there. You know, it's there's one with, that, yeah. actually with Jennifer Lawrence in it, and it's called Winter's Bone. And that has a little Is bit it? of her not just caring what anybody thinks, and she's very, it's not the same. Like, Is that she the Peter Jackson care. one? Mm-hmm. I'm getting that mixed up. No, it's directed by a female director, and I wish I could remember her name. It's right here. Pop up. There's the name. Um <laughs> <laughs> but 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 good point like if if you know these two films are are you know give me uh your give give me your overview your rating of jules and jim brandon where do I you rate say, this film i mean there's a lot of aspects i'd still like to i mean just just a really Aside quick, from others, uh, but I mean, I mean visually study. I mean, it takes more than I, it, one it, passing. It definitely. I get it, there was a lot of visual things I thought was really cool about this film. I just, I, I love that they showed the cremation process, like the actual crushing of the bones. I mean, that to me was like, oh, yeah. it was such a, I mean, could you do that in 1966? Apparently. I mean, you couldn't do that but in American that, like, cinema. Catholic, I don't know if it's a, it's a, it's a religious 
cremation is part of the their beliefs. Correct, but showing that actual process and showing the both bodies going in and showing the actual bones being crushed into powder and just was there a reason behind it? That's what I was trying to figure out. I'm just like I'm trying yeah, to. I mean, to, other there than, is symbolic. I think so. Right? I think I'm asking Brandon if he I'll knows. I'll, I'll get my. Oh, I'll, I'll go back to Todd. I'm putting Brandon on the spot. Yeah. I, I, at first, I mean, I've only seen it once, but I mean, that, what it said to me was, I mean, just kind of going back to her character. I mean, I'm not sure whose bones those were. I guess I kind of defaulted to hers, that they were her bones. Um, but because it kind of ties into the very last bit of the of the film is that she wanted this, this, this to her, her to be scattered in the wind, yeah. but it was against regulations. And then it just ends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it, what? that is the ultimate fuck you. That's like, right, right. Yeah. I she mean, lives to the very, even after death, yeah. she's immortalized by believing her value system, belief system is holding true. And Jules makes sure, cause he knows that she, she wouldn't follow any rules. She would be rebellious to the end. And even after death, he's like, okay, to honor her, she lives on because this is illegal and I shouldn't do it, but this is who she was. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I the think. The wind goes wherever it wants to go, does whatever it wants to exactly. do. Exactly. It's direct symbolism direct to that character. That. Yeah, okay. for sure. So I, mean, I guess showing that was kind of leading up to that moment is what I'm, was oh, what yeah, I'm saying. Because without that, it, I don't think it'd have the same impact. I saw it more spiritual, like mythological. Like she, she's like taking her place at that God level mm -hmm. where, you know, this is her physical body, but like everything she believed in and everything about her, it becomes this like, you know, uh, this whole new universe yeah. in the sky, spiritual life. I, I, I think it, I, again, it's, it's back to the theory of this love is a natural force. So she returns to nature ultimately. And, you know, we, as in the matter of technology and understanding and our theories and experience with love, we still can't understand it. It's so complex. And I think that's the beauty of this French film. And that's the beauty of Sex Lies, the videotape. It's undefinable. It's undefinable. And you, can't. you don't, I, I want to say you, you, you don't understand much lo about love at the beginning as you do at the end. You're just, you're probably more confused at the end. But you, but the realization is that yes, love is that complex. But it intellectually stimulates you, and you start going, you start yeah. breaking it down, yeah. and at least thinking about how to compartmentalize it to whatever it means to you. Yeah. And that's 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 always a, that to me is something I've always loved. It, you know, about movies, which is like if they can intellectually stimulate you into thinking, oh, and start getting you to think about complexities, and then assign them to your own journey mm -hmm. in whatever you're doing that's always an interesting uh setup or platform for a movie to do so what's your nine five oh he's going in he's coming in high which one jules and jim we're jules doing and jules and jim brandon's going jim, with 9.5 i really i really liked it and and i want to watch it again just to let a lot of those things all right i, I just yeah Gym. That was good. T, what do you got so, on Jules and Jim? The first time I watched Jules and Jim, it was for a class. Had to had to study it. It was pretty low, so it'd be like an eight. But now 
the like again after thinking about it for years. Well, let's be clear. Like, an eight's not necessarily low, is it? For my standards. Okay. <laughs> I'm at ten. I'm at ten. It's a. I mean, it's oh, one of those iconic in. films that that I think a thousand years from now they're going to still be watching Jules and Jim and be like, yeah, we still don't understand what it is, and, and that's that has power. I think when a film could be ageless and timeless in the sense of the understanding of human emotion and character, then the filmmakers got it right. So we got a 9.5, we got a 10. And I'm similar to you in that, not in the rating, but I did watch it in my undergrad. And this was 15, 16, 17 years ago. And I don't remember a ton from it from that first viewing. So when I, and, and you're obviously a lot younger too. So you just don't see things the same with the same lens that you do as you get older. Uh, with that said, they're on the rewatching um, a lot of complexities and a lot of things. And this is a film by uh, Francois Truffaut, who is a filmmaker. Everybody to some extent can knows and studies and, and kind of understands. He has one of my favorite quotes and I think it sums up this movie probably almost to a T. And I used to show this in a class um, because I would ask students what film is. I would say, what, what is film? And of course, there's different answers because for everybody, it's different. Film's not the same thing for everybody. But then I would show the quote from Truffaut. And the quote from Truffaut, which was very simple, at least we could all relate to. So even if film was different to us in different ways, his, his quote was, film is truth every 24 frames. So his concept is everything I'm doing, I'm putting together and we go to, you know, yet truth. And we talk about sex, lies and videotape and truth. And we talk about Jules and Jim. And it's just this openness of honesty and truth and whatever it is. And his concept of like film is truth every 24 frames really resonates with me. And so I always share that. Now, as far as the rating, similarly to you, Brandon, I got to go do another rewatching because it's been a long time and I've been stepped away from it. On the most recent watching, a lot of things got flooded into my mind. It got me intellectually stimulated and got me thinking about my own process and my own journey in life and just different, you know, uh, different relationships and how things operate. But right now, I'll go with, you know. It, it's funny. It still doesn't resonate with me as as other movies do. So I'm going to go, I'll go 9.3. Um, just because, and that may change. That rating may get bumped up, but uh, it's definitely something that everybody needs to watch. Mm. Um, so uh, let's jump into, but uh, with much, with, with, by the way, I do that with like much love and respect for Truffaut. Okay. <laughs> rest in peace um uh sex lies and videotape seven nine seven nine you want to give any additional information or are you already i didn't like it i i i, I just didn't, I, I didn't like it or andy mcdowell i didn't like Andy mcdowell no the I appreciate so what he was trying to do, but it just did not resonate with me. It just, it just, I need something. And it just didn't have, just didn't, just didn't have it. There were some interesting parts and some interesting things. James Spader is amazing in everything he's ever been in. This is no exception. By the way, real quickly, just on that note, 
his performance is great. It is. I, I, so I, I, yeah. I, you know, I agree, you know, if you have, you know, but, but if you look at just his performance, so as, as an individual, yeah, you know, I, it, I, I can't, if it, it wasn't it for that, it'd be a five. <laughs> you gave it two. you gave it two plus extra points but just for just Spader. for James Spader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you deducted three or two or three points because it has Andy McDowell. Because Andy McDowell. I got you. Performance matters. <laughs> T, what what are you at on sex lives and videotape? Uh, recap. Andy McDowell, ten. Ten one. Yeah. Ten point. Five. I agree with T. Uh, I go movie, ten on McDowell. I'd say um, nine. Okay. You want to recap it? Uh, for for where, where it's coming in with the nine. I mean, you did a great job with I it, but I just the, the recap the, overall. The elements of choosing, um, you know, sex to symbolize uh, um, passion and lust, and then lies to symbolize truth and a videotape just to symbolize reality of what all of these things really are. Uh, that's so hard to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you say videotape or film love, like there's so many things you could show and to get it right to where the audience is starting to think about these things. Uh, you know, it, these are concepts and, and Soderbergh is able to bring these to life visually. Again, that's where I put the nine is like he, he took these deep, complex things that we think about and we analyze and he put it in a physical, visual thing for us to watch and watch it unfold. And uh, it's tragic. But again, it finds this balance at the end. I didn't like the ending because the ending's truthful. It's like they get, you know, with it. and in my, you know. Everybody Hollywood, just leaves Hollywood, the same way they yeah, started. Yeah, in the sense, Hollywood ending, like, there's no. I'm like, you know, if someone said, with, you know, uh, my sister or something like that, it wouldn't be as cool, you know. And so I, I'm basing that on my own comfort zone, I guess. And but that I think that's what it does. It, it takes whatever you think about sex, lies, uh, and reality, and it, it kind of shakes it, rattles it, rattles it, and that's the fun. Like, uh, you know, that's what we go on a roller coaster. You know, we don't, we're not going to go on a roller coaster and say, hey, that was all fun. It's like, you know, I crap my pants and I peed my pants. And that's why I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that during sex lives and videotape. That's a topic. Sounds like this, 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 watching, this watching, he didn't. <laughs> I'm revealing too much there. He needs a diaper when he sees movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, I am going to actually add, go to a straight eight zero oh. because I love the title. I think it's one of the greatest titles I've ever heard. Okay. I you mean, were intrigued enough by the, I was you were intri- more intrigued by the, the title, title than the actual movie. Well, it, I mean, it you still came me in. in with an eight. That's, That's not, not a, no, look, you could come in with a five. We're, I'm not going to beat you up on it. These are, no. these are, you know, your, my your opinions. decisions. I'm not, yeah. Yeah. not like and again, James Spader put it up. Spader, and, this, Spader and I love the title. So without Spader, it's at a six is in your, in your, that's correct, sir. Okay, because you were giving Spader <laughs> two points, just to be clear. You have a bigger crush on Spader than you do Andy McDowell. Yeah, 100%. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I want him to read me a, a bedtime story to me every night to put me to sleep. He does have that fair, kind of fair natural, enough, fair enough, yeah. the natural nuance of just, you know, you want to listen to everything he says. Oh, he, he commands he, the screen. Kind of got he commands the screen every In time. In a very casual way, though. Yeah. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a big dominating no. factor. It's, it's just, hey, I'm here. It's a soft. Listen to yeah. me. And he's got the presence. Yeah. He sure. He's a great actor. I, I thought the movie, uh, so for me, I'm always interested. Similarly, like I look at the movies like I did with Jules and, and Jim. And I, I, of course, just look at the filmmakers too. I, I always kind of go like, 
what's the tie-in and who's putting all this together? Who's that visionary behind this thing? So I, like we were saying before, I mean, I'm blown away that the, the guy was 29 years old when he made this movie. Um, you know, this, this one, uh, I was constantly engaged the whole time. So I was a little different. Uh, I was thinking and processing and going over things in my mind and kind of figuring out who to root for and then figuring out, yeah, there's not a whole lot to root for. And then in terms of just individual characters, um, but no matter what, the whole time I was intrigued. So I'm actually sticking with T on this one. I'm going to come in right at a nine as well. I'll come in at a flat nine. Now, had you seen it before? Years ago. Okay. So this was a rewatching after maybe a decade, like maybe 10 okay. plus years ago, I had seen it. So this one, this, this, and it's funny because in that 10 year time, it, for me, it's, it's like a lot, just in life for people, a lot of things happen. So in that 10 year time, I just, there's a lot of growth and there's a growth spurt of just like understanding things and looking at things with different ways. So this came, this comes in at a nine. I think Soderbergh is, you know, coming out the gates for a first time director, like, just kind of in awe and I'm always kind of blown away at these guys that find a way to, to, to make something like this that has the complexities that it does mm -hmm. and, and shake it up. And I like that you use the word rattle. Cause for me, like he's, he's making a movie in, and this is a good tie in, in a lot of ways. If you look at his track record and his portfolio since this time, like he's an, he's an American independent cin filmmaker so aside from you get your oceans franchise but beyond that like if you look at most of his films they're a little more independent they're a little more visceral they're not like big 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 studio films mm -hmm. and i was kind of doing some research on him and he's very influenced from the french new wave which is Truffaut and godard and all these guys so he's he's you know and i wouldn't know unless we talked to him but he's pulling in some kind of influence from these french directors and so just as a happenstance, we happen to watch these two films, and I think they tie in nicely. Together. They really do. And so I give it a nine on uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Nice. So, yeah. Um, did you see that mosaic that he filmed here? Uh-uh. It was an HBO, like... Uh, Soderbergh? Soderbergh. Yeah. Um, actually, I went up and day played once... On as a PA and once as a extra with my daughter, and watching him work was really interesting. Tell me about it real quick. I'm he curious. so very minimal lighting, very minimal. He repeated himself too. He did. Yeah, he he does a lot of his own. He does most his own work. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a crew move so fucking fast in my life. I mean, I love that. Though. It was just There's something yeah. I get excited about that. It, it was reason. it was it was fantastic to watch yeah. him work because I mean we were blowing through pages. I mean we must have shot. 12 pages easily, 12 easily, easily. I mean, just, and on top of that, it this was a kind of a, not a choose your own adventure, but kind of something like that. He was doing something with HBO with their app, trying to like, yeah, do some, some doing kind some, of interactive. some sort of interactive. So not only was he blowing through pages, he was going through alternate takes yeah. of the same scene. So we want to get this direction, this direction, mm -hmm. this direction, this direction, and then swap character, swap character. I mean, it was and just, he's DP. It was he's just DPing the whole thing, directing the whole thing. See, I love that. That's what I love about that him. set. Yeah, that's what and I it love wasn't him. stressful. It wasn't stressful at all. Like 
Because he just, he commanded that. It's a thing where like, he- It trickles it, down. Not being 100%. there, but I get what you're saying, yeah. which is like, you just, you're on set and basically this is a guy that knows what he wants and it's not fidgety and it's not like, hey, what's happening? What are we doing next? What's going on? Why are we taking so no. long? It's like, I want from the get go all the way through the day, it's like this, 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 done. Yeah. I, I don't think I we ever did more than three or four takes on a single setup. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I love that. Oh, so and, did uh, I. It was amazing to watch. I think that's a, a reflection back on this film in the sense that, you know, you've got a first-time director, young, he puts it together. And whether you like the film or you don't, I think going back to Jules and Jim, it, both of these films, at least to some level as filmmakers, they deserve respect. Oh, 100%. Right. So I think that's the, the thing uh, with, with the two movies. So And with knowing he was 29 at the point, I mean, that... I still that, that blows, changes, it yeah. still blows my mind because I'm like, how did he write it? Because even if you didn't love the performances or you didn't like some of the, the actors, the dialogue is very mature. Oh, so how do you write that dialogue yeah. when you're not mature? When you're not really you're mature, mature you're, you're four years past your frontal lobe being developed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway. I'll tell you T needs his lobe It's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to lead it back to that. We're going to end on that. Okay. <laughs> end on. That's better. T's lobes. <laughs> Did I say lobes? <laughs> T wants to develop his lobes. Lobe. So take that for what it's Frontal worth. Tame Aperture signing off. Brandon Richardson. Bye. Bye. Todd Maitani. Bye. Gabe Vienendahl. Sex Lies videotape. Jules and Jim. Go watch it. Peace out. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.